Welcome to another edition of the In Search SEO podcast where we paint the town red with search marketing insights. Today we have a Twitter powerhouse for you. He's here to show you how to leverage your skills to build your SEO credibility. Rich Tatum joins us to talk about something very important to your career, your reputation, how to build your sustained credibility in the SEO sphere, how to leverage your SEO credibility to benefit your career, and how being a specialist or generalist plays into your reputation within the SEO community. But first, we go deep into what Google may have been looking for or part of what Google may have been looking for during the May 2020 core update. That is right, site level patterns from the core update are coming at you. I am your host, Morty Oberstein. I am joined by the decadent, Sapir Carabello. Hello, Morty. Hello, Sapir. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? I'm great. Just wonderful. Yeah? Peachy. Peachy. Oh, okay. I don't detect any sarcasm. None. Never sarcasm with no. me. Yep. <laughs> How's life been? Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Great. <laughs> By the yeah, way. I was just being polite. I, I don't really care. I know you don't care. We've been through this all the time. By the way, still watching Korean baseball. It's still okay. It's still okay. <laughs> I, I want to update everybody on my life. Okay. Um, oh, no. Last week was insane. Spent tons and tons of time getting into the core update, which we'll get into here on this podcast. Watching Korean baseball, which is kind of okay. And my three-year-old split his entire chin open falling on a stair. Oh, no. Which was okay. He's okay. (laughs) He had to get his chin glued up, which my wife tried to do because she's a nurse and we had the glue at home. Oh, my God. Yeah, but it didn't work out so well. Whatever. It was a whole... He's okay. He's okay. It was a bloody mess, though. It was... Well, at least it's okay. I don't yeah. get the Korean baseball thing, but okay. It's good. It's, I mean, it's better than nothing. Do your thing. Yeah. Hey, look, in New York now, they opened up, uh, was it a uh, horse racing? Oh. Yeah, that's a great that's sport to watch. Watch a horse running around in a circle. Also, <laughs> speaking of things running around in circles, um, I think also uh, car racing has opened up. <laughs> so anything that goes around in circles, we're, we're now doing. That's that's the stage of COVID-19 opening up that we're at. Circle sports, where you go around in circles, that's open for business. Okay. Yes. Okay. Do not forget, we release a new episode of the In Search SEO podcast each and every Tuesday. You can find it on Stitcher. You can find it on Spotify. You can find it on SoundCloud. You can find it on any place that has awesome podcasts available for you. Also, check it on the Rank Ranger blog. And, of course, you may and should subscribe on iTunes. Um, also to all of our great listeners listening in, first off, thank you for listening. Check out our Twitter page, the In Search SEO podcast Twitter page. It's In Search underscore SEO on Twitter. And we have an awesome newsletter for you. Um, you can subscribe, check it out on the blog post for the, for the podcast. There's a place where you can subscribe on the main page on the Rank Ranger website for the podcast. You can subscribe, or if you go to the Twitter account, the pinned post is a place where you can subscribe to our newsletter. Um, just in case you want to know what you're missing out on, this past newsletter, uh, we put out a, a list of all the articles that were spectacularly awesome. If you want to understand the core update, we um, aggregated, collected all of the um, great analysis for you and put it in our newsletter. So if you haven't subscribed, you missed that. So don't miss next week's awesomeness and subscribe to our newsletter. Did I mention you should subscribe to our newsletter? Yes, you did. 
Subscribe to our newsletter, please. Thank you so much. We were so appreciative if you would subscribe to our newsletter. I'll just say it one more time. Also, <laughs> do not forget to check out the Rank Ranger blog because we have posted a list of the biggest and baddest SEO tools Rank Ranger has released during Q1 of 2020 from new ways to track feature snippets to the only genuine reputation management tool geared specifically for tracking sentiment on the SERP and more. Head over to the Rank Ranger blog and check that out. Great show for you today. Great show for you today. Had a really insightful conversation with Rach, um, Ta- Rach, Rach, Rich Tatum. Got it. <laughs> His name is not Rachel Tatum. It's Rich Tatum. Sorry, Rich. Um, who, by the way, is like an absolute Twitter powerhouse. If you want insightful Twitterness, Rich, Rich never puts out a bad tweet. Like, I have a lot of bad tweets. But he's like very consistent in his tweeting. It's very good. Um, so definitely follow him on Twitter. You'll find the resource. Um, in, and I'm sorry, you'll, in the show notes, in the resource section, you'll find his Twitter profile. So we'll get to that great conversation in a few moments. Because before that, if you follow the Rank Ranger, Rank Ranger, if you follow Rank Ranger on Twitter, which you should, but also if you follow the InSearch SEO podcast on Twitter, that's InSearch underscore SEO, you'll know that we release bonus content on the Twitter page. Did you know that, Sapir? Yeah, I did. Because you mentioned it like a thousand of times. Right, because you wouldn't actually know that because you don't have Twitter, which is so weird. You have TikTok, but you don't have Twitter. To me, that's... I don't have TikTok. Sure, I saw you dancing on TikTok. I saw you. (laughs) I don't have TikTok. Uh Stop it. Right, right, right. And I'm not going bald. Anyway, um... (laughs) You'll know that we release um, bonus content. One of that series is um, Deep Thoughts. Every Wednesday and Thursday, a new Deep Thought, which is purely for the Twitter feed, is released onto Twitter. So again, check out the Rank Ranger. I keep saying Rank Ranger. Check out the InSearch SEO podcast Twitter page and Rank Rangers, of course, um, and follow us or follow the podcast. And you'll see that deep thought goodness on Wednesdays and Thursdays every week. But to sort of integrate the the Twitter page and the podcast itself, we have a brand new segment for you. Ooh-hoo. Guess what it's called? I don't know. Deep Thought by the SEO, In Search SEO Podcast. Oh. Okay. Right? It's the same thing. We're So we're doing one deep thought on the podcast and then two just on the Twitter page. Oh, wow. So check that out. Okay, without further ado, here is your first on the podcast deep thought. Hmm. So, Ran Fishkin, um, you may know him from Moz. Now he's of Spark Toro. So he put out a great post. A really wonderful post going through who you should be targeting when you write content and why the people you think you're targeting are not the people you really should be targeting, how you need to be amplified. Etc. 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 We will list that post within the resource show notes. Um, so check that out. But one of the things he mentioned is, you know, people think of of content as like, okay, well, how many conversions do I get from the content? How many how many views am I getting from the content? How what's the what is the bottom line that this content produces? And how that's really the wrong way to look at it. And it's very very true. That's very much the wrong way to look at it. Okay. So in other words, content. If you're thinking about content as purely like, okay. Um, if I write this content, I will get um, five more conversions and fifty more dollars in my pocket. Those are very bad numbers, Ben. By the way, but if that's how you're looking at this, that is not the way you should look at content. Content is very much a, a 
um, long-term game, multifaceted, multidimensional tool. It helps people uh, become aware of your brand. It helps people understand who you are. It helps people rely on your brand, trust your brand, see your brand as a thought leader, as an expert, as an innovator. All of these things that you want to say about your brand, you say with content and the content you put out there. So if you're thinking of your kind of very linearly, um, one plus one equals X number of dollars, then that's you're going to have a terrible content plan. Don't do that. You really have to think of your content as really as a representation of who you are. And because the 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 buying process, the way the way people go out and buy, uh, whether it's software, whether it's shoes, whatever it is, is very complex. It's very dynamic, very multidimensional, if you want to call it that. The only way you're going to really succeed in, in long term in bringing in new customers, reaching new markets, is by having a strong content strategy that that speaks to new markets in a very broad, sophisticated, multidimensional way. So again, deep thought here. Think of your content long term. Think of your content in multiple layers. Think of your content as a precursor for the potential consumer to understand who you are so that eventually when they do buy or want to buy something, they will think of you. And this has been the very first deep thought on the In Search SEO podcast. Check out two more deep thoughts on the Twitter page, one released Wednesday, one released Thursday. Okay. That was very deep. Very, very deep. Very deep. (laughs) Uh, By the way, when I'm deep thoughts in general, there will be a large, large amount of sarcasm in there. Um, which I'll try to refrain so much doing on the podcast itself, but the Twitter feed, I don't hold back. Anyway. Oh, oh it's full on. Well, not full on. Um, <laughs> that's the wrong analogy. Okay. <laughs> I spent days, literally days, digging into the May 2020 core update, trying to find site-level patterns. I was completely exhausted by the time I was done with this. I was not, I was not a friendly person to be around during this period of time it was literally you insane never the person to be around. that's not true you know i am hours upon hours <laughs> of analysis gotta ignore that comment here it is <laughs> because we are going down one giant sized seo wormhole okay so every time um we talk about site patterns turning an update i want to i want to make sure people understand something okay okay i want to make sure you understand that There is not one definitive pattern that defines the entire core update. At the same time, what I'm about to share with you, what I've shared with you on the blog post that I wrote about on the Rank Ranger blog, which goes into what we're talking about in way more depth, is my best assessment. It's not like, oh, here's a pattern. I saw a pattern. This is definitely what's going on. You definitely need to do this. It's, I would say, a very, very strong, strong, strong chance of what's going on. It makes a ton of sense. I analyzed a hundred different keywords to pull this stuff out. But to you to, to have that like, conclusive, this is definitely what's going on. You would need tons and tons and tons of data corroboration, which I didn't do. Mm-hmm. Okay, so understand that caveat. But with that, what we're going to do is we are going to take a top level look at the May 2020 core update site level patterns. Here we go. Okay, let me let me let me let me explain it like this. Okay, diving into core update patterns like going down a rabbit hole, and sort of seeing what sticks. Like you throw it to the wall and seeing what sticks. Mm-hmm. I mean, like where you start off and where you and where you think you're going is not where you end up, and it's not where you're going at all. Okay, that sounds pretty ominous. 
It is. It exactly is. Anyway, um, with that, let's just get at it. Top level. Here we go. First off, um, well, okay. First, I'll say it's like this. Check out the blog post on the on the Rank Ranger blog for a more in-depth view of this. Um, and I, I really kind of show you how I get at where I'm getting at and how I got there. Mm-hmm. But I can't do that here. don't have enough time. So okay. with that, top level points, here we go. One, main content should appear above the fold. Do not push the main informational, informational content down with rows of boxes to other pages or other products or other categories before your main content. Um, bunch of credit card sites do this, right? You show up, you're, you're looking for best credit card, and before they, they go into the actual content, they have um, travel card, education card, a student loan card, whatever it is, I don't know, uh, um, airline credit card, all the various credit cards that I can't think of at the top of my head. And if, as opposed to giving you the top content, the, uh, the actual content right there, they have this whole box full of navigation to other pages instead. Don't do that. Not good. Main. Okay, that sounds pretty conclusive, though. Like, yeah, that's a, yeah, 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 yes. That's, how I'm, you came I'm, to this conclusion? I am being conclusive about this. You want to see how right. I got there and 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 how I how I work this all out and what pages I looked at. You have to go to the blog post, which we'll get into it a little uh, bit different. Yeah, we'll get into it in a little bit of a second. This is just top level. Okay. Oh, okay. Also. Don't push the main information content down below the fold with quasi-informational content so that you're like, you know, so that your affiliate links are highly visible to your audience as opposed to the main content that are actually helpful to them. That also tended to get hit by this update. Mm. That is the top level insights. Okay. Now let's go a little bit deeper. Ooh. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> point, of, point, point of methodology, okay, is that um, – so sometimes you know, we tend to focus on biggest winners, biggest losers. Don't call me a loser. <laughs> Don't call me a loser, Sapir. You'll hurt my feelings. <laughs> I, I already I see it. it. I already I already saw it. It's coming. <laughs> I'm a winner. Oh, no. Ella's for love. Well. Ella's for love. Um. <laughs> Point of methodology again. So sometimes we tend to focus on biggest winners, biggest losers. What I did here was not that. What I did here was I looked at which pages Google was swapping out. I wanted to see, okay, what was Google trying to do here? It took this page and replaced it with this page. Why did it do that? Good question. Obvious question. Okay. Yeah. Why did Google swap these pages? Exactly right. So what I saw was pages that has, like I mentioned, um, had these set of boxes that dominated the above the fold, got replaced with pages that just went right to the main content, just straight ah, to it. Interesting, but but what kind of content was it? YMYL. Th- um, this okay. So this particular set of content that I was looking at was YMYL. It was finance. It was around um, uh, loans and credit cards, those sort of things. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, the, the pic- I'll get it right. The particular page. <laughs> there we go. I just my, my mouth just didn't work there. The the particular pages that I that I use in the in the blog post focus on on credit cards, right? Like I mentioned before, you search for you know best credit card, you get all mm-hmm. these boxes that show up at the top of the page that show travel cards, student loan cards, whatever it is, student loan cards. That makes no sense. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, cards with the best rewards, as opposed to getting to the actual main content itself. Um, now, the, the interesting thing here, so, okay, so I saw pages that didn't do that, 
who just went to the content itself. For example, oh, Forbes, okay. in a lot of these cases, won. Okay, their pages went up in this particular subset. I am not saying you know Forbes won out overall, but in this particular um, analysis, a lot of the pages from Forbes went up because what Forbes does is goes right into the main content. That's just a format. Mm-hmm. So more often than not, they won. Okay, now um, mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, now I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, it's okay. It's just yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> now. The more common format that I saw was not where you have these big, giant navigational boxes taking up the above-the-fold content. What I saw in this particular spaces, and you see this a lot in, in any affiliate sort of spaces, you, you, you do your search, you go to the web page, and instead of seeing the main content, what you get is the, the list of affiliate stuff. So let's say for credit cards. Right. Instead of getting, you know, someone types in best credit cards to, you know, to, to, to apply for. Okay, they really want to understand those credit cards, right? What are the different credit cards? What are the different options? How do I know? How do I pick? What should I be looking for? What are all these terms mean? APR, blah, 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 blah. Explain all of it to me. But instead, a lot of these sites, most of these sites are affiliate sites. So the first thing they offer you is that sort of like, um, it's like a list of credit cards. They have, they have the, they have the picture of the credit card and they have, you know, a couple of lines of information and they have the, you know, whatever, whatever. They rattle off some nice things about it. And then they have a CTA where you can apply for that credit card. You know what I'm talking about, Sapir? Yeah, for once, I do. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, you can, we've, all, we've all seen these pages. Right. So these were sites that they, they, they that pushed that, main content down with those with those lists sites that didn't do that sites that just went straight for the main content did better all things being equal so again same thing as before with those you know that i mentioned those big navigational boxes taking up all the above the fold space Mm -hmm. informational content first like i mentioned okay the query here is informational it's like, how do I know how to pick the card? Which card is really better? What? The, give me all the details about how to pick the right card. Does it make sense to start off with a commerce intent? That's really what you're starting off with here, right? You're starting off with a list of credit cards. You're giving me a little bit of information, and then you tell me to apply for the credit card. That's basically, okay. you're basically pushing commerce where my intent is, is informational. You're trying to get people to click your affiliate links, no? And by the way, that's very hard for these sites. I am not like saying, oh, these sites are so stupid. It's very, they're, they're, they're trying to make money. And a lot of these sites, by the way, offer some great information. They need oh, the affiliate revenue, I, though. I was just about to ask, like, what about the content like itself? Like, do they have good content or is it just like mainly affiliate things? So like, overall. Good. That's a very good question. So one of the sites that I saw, karmacredit.com, they got smashed. Because their pages that have these lists have no informational content whatsoever. They really got killed. Oh. Yeah. Okay. But however, some of these pages that did get hit have great content, like amazing content. It actually is like some of the like, very, very good content, all about you know what a good credit card should be and and how do you know what should you and what are the terms meet and all all the things you really want to if you really want to understand how to pick a credit card. Some of these pages are great. Like they're really, really good. But what I think Google is saying here is, okay, if you have that content, that really great content below the affiliates, so Google's saying, one, that doesn't really align to user intent, and B, how reliable are you? 
if you're putting your revenue literally before the user's actual interests, right? Wow. That's Uh-oh. interesting. So what you're saying is that the above-the-fold content is what matters, basically. Yeah, I mean, and Google said this before in the past. Like, if it's a really important thing, that should be the first thing, right? It's a very mm-hmm. similar sort of con- – I mean, it's a little bit slightly – a slight variance on that concept in terms of why it's happening and what that means per se. But it's very similar to that. Oh, you're 100% right. I want to add one thing. I totally, oh, 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 COVID-19. COVID, of course, we have to talk about COVID-19 really, really quickly. <laughs> one last point, a bit anecdotal. bit anecdotal. Yeah. I only look – this – the uh, what I talked to you before about the credit card sites and above the fold and the informational content and blah, 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 blasey, blasey, blasey. I looked at tons and tons of keywords, tons and tons of sites. I am very confident in that pattern. In fact, I think Glenn Gabe did a post also, which if you subscribe to our newsletter, you would have seen that link in there. Uh, we also talked about some, I think, about um, some content, you know, being informational coming first, something similar along the lines um, that we just spoke about. The stuff I'm going to tell you now about COVID-19, I only looked at a very, few, very, very few amount of sites. So it's very much anecdotal, so don't freak out. Like, That's totally wrong. It could be. This is what I think makes sense. Okay. And that's it. So there are a couple of e-commerce sites. I think there were, there were appliance sites. A couple went up, a couple went down. I'm like, okay, why is this? And I spend hours looking at these pages. I'm like, oh, I can't find anything here. What a waste of time. Of course, by the way, all of these sites have that very nice COVID-19, you know, banner or link on the, on the homepage telling you about what they're, right. you know, whatever, whatever. Right. The sites that the, the two or three, the, uh, it's like three sites that I saw that went up versus the three sites that I saw went down. The sites that went up had a, uh, a COVID-19 um, write-up on the shipping page, the ones that did not saw the rankings go down. In other words, yes, they had the banner on the main homepage. However, what I think Google was saying here is, hey, we want you to be really, really super specific. If someone's going to go to the shipping page and see what your shipping policy is, that should be updated for COVID-19 as well. Mm-hmm. Right? The, the, the sites that did this had, you know, yeah, we'll, we'll drop it off by the curb. We won't breathe on you. We will have masks on. Our guys will wear hazmat suits. Don't worry. You won't get any, you know, sort of virus from us when we deliver this. The sites that didn't do that, it seemed very much like, you know, business as usual. I'm like, okay, here you go. Right. Which, by the way, Sapir, okay, if you're looking, forget if I'm right or wrong about the actual update. Was the update looking at this? Which I think it was because Google's very specific in what it looks for, let's say, in the Google My Business listing or in the accommodations you can offer in local service ads. So why wouldn't it want you to be specific on your website? But forget that. For, let's say I'm wrong. Let me ask you, Sapir. Okay. If you went to a, 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 an appliance, you had to order a new fridge. And on the shipping page, okay, what's their shipping policy? Are they even shipping now during COVID-19 right. or not, right? Right. And, right. It, and it had nothing about COVID-19. And you saw a site. Then you went to the shipping page. Are they shipping? And they had a whole, like, two or three paragraphs about what they're doing, what's different, what's changed, and what you can expect. Which one would you buy from? The one that has the, the COVID-19 update. Why? Because I know it's a... Uh, uh, how do I say it? <laughs> it's, it's current. Right. I don't know. It's current. It's up to date. You, they're, they're a- First off, it shows like, okay, we're up to date. We're active. We're monitoring our site. We're, we're, we're on the ball. So if we're on the ball with this, we'll be on the ball with your product. Exactly. So it's the same right. thing, right? So even if I'm wrong, you should still do it anyway because... People like Sapir might be buying a fridge from you. 
<laughs> completely. That's it. Okay, I go into a lot more about this on the blog post, on the Rain Ranger blog. Check out the full post. It's a it's a monster. It is an absolute monster, so definitely check it out. Anywho. Anywho. <laughs> Let's get to our interview. I spoke with Rich Tatum, who is a very insightful person, a major contributor to the conversation within the SEO sphere on Twitter and beyond. So here's Rich on SEO reputation, building your credibility, and building your career. Let's go for it. Welcome to another In Search SEO podcast interview session. Today, we have with us a podcaster, an SEO, an education enthusiast. He's currently the managing technical SEO for Erasmus. Please welcome Rich Tatum. Welcome. Do you have a little cart where you can have applause that can come in? And... <laughs> well, tell the sound, the editing guy, like random, oh, okay, yeah. slow clap or like full clap? <laughs> Uh, we'll do the slow clap after when I make a really big point. Okay, fine. So full on, yeah. no problem. <laughs> so outside of your technical SEO proficiencies, I saw that you are an avid photographer. Yeah, I, I, I've been an avid lifelong photographer, um, especially since high school. And it's part of what changed my life. When I was in high school, when I enrolled in my freshman year in high school, I came in having a little bit of art in my background and I wanted to take an art elective, but I, you know, I grew up in a dysfunctional alcoholic family and you learn early on there's some battles you just don't fight. It's a protective measure and you maybe redefine the rules for yourself so that you don't worry about some of those things. Like, you know, I wanted to take this art elective class, but I had to have my parents' permission. So I came home with the little elective card and my mom looked at it. And she said, art, you can't make any money drawing. And so I just decided, okay, I'm not going to fight this battle. And I didn't take any electives for the first three years of my high school experience. Come senior year, now I'm 18. And I've got all of my required courses out of the way, except for like one. And they said, well, you have to be in class for at least three or four hours a day. So take some electives. I said, I can't take electives. My parents won't approve. I said, how old are you? 18. You're an adult. Take whatever electives you want. So I enrolled in the, what would have been called the Glee Club, the entertainers. I enrolled in piano one. I enrolled in guitar one. I enrolled in art one. I had Spanish. I had drama. That was my year of the arts. And my drawing teacher came to me and she said, I really like your photography. Uh, can I see some of your other photographs? I said, I don't, I don't take other pictures. I don't, I mean, she said, I really like your art and your perspective. Can I see some photography? I said, I don't have a camera. Did you don't have a, like a 35 millimeter camera? I said, what is that? <laughs> she said, if I could loan you a camera from the school, would you enroll in my photography class? I said, sure. I'm like, free camera. <laughs> <laughs> and I wound up spending three hours a day my she transferred me from drawing into photography and i spent my photography class my free period and my lunch period in the dark room every day i read everything i could read ansel adams uh, weston everything about zone photography black and white photography photo theory manuals and i wound up doing advanced work for her advanced class and uh 
and they offered me a, a, a letter in the arts just based on the strength of that year's work, wow. which um, I was so insecure that I, I declined even being considered because I didn't want the attention. And it changed my life, though, because it, it for, you know, before that year, I didn't think of myself as artistic or an artist or creative or a creator. But after that, I had so much more confidence in my ability to see the world a different way and to capture it and to uh, help others see what I'm seeing. And I, I put in my Twitter bio that I'm a noticer of overlooked details. And that's part of what I do with my photography. I, I look for patterns. I look for textures and perspectives and things that people aren't noticing. And I try to notice things. So first off, is there a place where people can take a look and see what you've done? Because I've seen some of your you know your photos online, and they're really cool. There's one with a boat, you know, the town in the yeah. ocean, the waves. I love that picture. Is there oh, a place well, people can get? Yeah, is there a place people can take a look? Uh, well, there's Flickr, uh, Flickr.com/slash. Uh, I think it's Blogredent. So Flickr.com/slash Blogredent, and uh, Instagram. Uh, I'm Rich Tatum on Instagram as well, so I post there. Awesome. Now and I try to post to Twitter when I can. So obviously, if you find me on Twitter, you'll see some of my photos. And I'll, I, I usually will post you know, pictures of my kids and stuff there, too. You should follow Rich on Twitter for other reasons. And we'll, we'll get to that in a second. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I have to ask so thanks, you. Thanks for the th- – I appreciate noticing the photography. A lot of people don't realize that I do that. I do my research. And I have to ask you, because it's, it's a funny thing, because you have this artistic background, and then you go into technical SEO. Sort of like a yeah. left right brain thing going on there. Well, you should know a little bit about this yourself, Marty. Sometimes. You know, you you came out of uh, education and right. then you went into content marketing and writing and editing and and now you're in uh, your uh, chief marketing officer for an SEO company. That's what you I understand. do. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what uh, that's what your parole officer. That's right. Anyway. <laughs> Thank you. So I, I can't leave the house because of my ankle bracelet, so it's hard to. But yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, life takes right angle turns. And uh, I went to uh, Bible college and uh, went on to seminary and got half of a master's degree because my intention was to go into church ministry. Uh, but you know, I had to have a job. When I went to go to graduate school, I thought, I'll go work at this place that was the headquarters for my denomination that was also associated with the theological school. And I thought, hey, if I get a job there, they'll subsidize my education. And I never really read the fine print, which was you had to work full time. And when you're working full time, you can't really get a master's degree right. in your in your off hours. And it was very difficult. And and then in the middle of that, I met the woman who had become my wife eventually. And you you cannot earn a master's degree and court a woman at the same time while you're working full time. And don't try it at home. No, it's, 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 it's not wise. Uh, and I was also doing other extracurricular things that was taking up time. So I just, I, I, I flamed out, but I had a job and it just turned out I was interested in the internet. The way, the way it came about, and I've been online, I've been doing things, working with publishing content online since the mid nineties. Wow. And the way it happened is, my first job in the office corporate environment was basically word processing, where I listened to people drone on for pages while I transcribed their words. But I got really good at typing. And then I got really good at Word for Windows. And then I got really good at writing macros and doing things to become more efficient. And I learned office. But across the hall, there was a position open at the help desk to do technical support. 
which meant a raise and wouldn't mean listening to people's blather on about tax returns and transcribing stupid stuff. So I applied and they took a chance and hired me, really liked me, moved me into desktop support. Now, while I'm in desktop support, I start noticing things. I've been doing BBS online, you know, bulletin board systems at home, and I'd started getting involved in a local internet users group, which was based on Telnet at the time, where you did dirty things like finger people and you pinged them. You know, uh, finger was a way of like doing a Facebook. Yeah, uh, I think you post. might have to qualify yeah. that because it can yeah. mean a lot of different things. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Finger was a was a protocol where you could, you know, uh, check out the status of somebody, and uh, it was like a Facebook poke, and and it was all telnet, all text based links, and Gopher was the thing, and so I was doing that in my off time, and doing desktop support. And I'm noticing all these modems were creeping into the business. People were bringing in them home modems. They were dialing into AOL and CompuServe and Prodigy, in the office, and it was driving our our technical people crazy because they were downloading true type fonts that were infected with viruses. They were getting these screensavers that were borking their systems and then I'd have to go fix it. And so I started keeping a log. I'd ask them, why do you need the modem here? Why do you need the internet? And almost all of them had a work related justification for why they brought their modem in from home. They needed to do research. I know 28.8 baud modems. It was uh, it was crazy, but I, I kept this running list, this this work related justification. And after I had about three pages of people telling me why they needed internet access at their desktop, I went to the chief information officer and I said, "Look, I know that this is a growing problem and it's something we have to address and manage, but we really do need we have a business case for the business to be online and to bring in a T1 or something and give access through the network." Fast forward, I didn't hear anything. About three to six months later, the CIO came back to me and he said, hey, we've decided we're going to put a website out there. The executive office have determined we need an online presence. That was kind of how they said it, you know. And they didn't know what that meant. They didn't know what it was. But he had taken out some two-letter domain names. If we had a two-letter domain name and, and uh they needed someone to be in charge of it. And he said, you're the only guy I know in the company who has any interest in this. So my interest made the way and I became the webmaster, I became the list master, I became the whatever master for everything digital, doing newsletters, doing web pages, handcrafting HTML with uh, the artisanal uh, forges of Notepad and uh, doing everything I could to just learn about all of this. And, you know, I was, I was, I have old, old quotes and interactions, things that I'd contributed to marketing Sherpa way back in the day. And that just, it, that made the way for me. And I've been doing stuff online with web developers and content and publishers ever since, just in various different capacities. And I'm not a technician. I'm not technical. I'm not a database guy. I'm not a programmer. I'm just somebody who knows how to leverage technology and the internet to get the word out and to publish content and to build community. Well, it definitely shows. This is one of the reasons you should follow Rich on Twitter. Because when you talk on Twitter, you add a level of substance to any conversation that I find to be completely, not just completely unique, but absolutely rare in the, in the, in the world of just regurgitating the same points over and over and over again for the sake of just doing that. 
which is kind of appropriate why we're going to talk about how you build credibility within SEO. Well, I, I've, I'm, I'm really flattered. I, I'm, I, I'm gratified you say that. I, I don't know why you would say that. I didn't pay you, did I? Is there a check in the mail? It didn't come through yet. I'm going to we'll talk about that after the show because I'm. A, that's a, a sticky point. Yeah, you're going to bankrupt me. No, I, <laughs> that's that's uh, that's really flattering. I, I really appreciate that. Um, you know, I I work at it. I I I try to make sense. I try to be approachable. I try to be sensible. And you know, I mentioned my childhood and dysfunctional family. It probably goes back to having a dysfunctional alcoholic family. You know, when you've got when you've got the dad telling you uh, what a bitch she is in a drunken tone and how horrible she is, and when she's telling you when she's drunk what a bastard he is, you know what you can't do? You can't argue. Right. You, you can't argue with them and tell them and defend the other person when you're the child because there's a power imbalance and, and, and they're irrational and you can't reason with irrationality. So I had to find a middle path, sort of an ironic, uh, yes and, uh, sort of approach where I would have to find a way to find a point of agreement to survive. And that survival mechanism means that I'm very frequently watching both sides of a debate or an argument or a flame war and seeing things that I agree with in both positions. And then I'll try to round up the, the, uh, the disparity and or make an observation that clarifies or tries to bring together the opposing points of view. And that's just part of my DNA now. And that's, I find that happening even on Twitter. That's interesting because I have come from a similar sort of background. I come from like a, one of these bitter divorce wars um, and, you know, being stuck in the middle as a kid, um, you know, who's right, who's wrong. I don't know. I'm five. Like it's just the, and you see both sides, you sort of have to, you're forced to have to recognize both sides so you don't piss off the other side, right? So you're with, yeah. you're with mom, so she's right when you're with dad, he's right. And I sort of do the same thing when I'm on Twitter. Like there's a, there's a balance, like you can, I can see both sides. I do this pretty much with everything in life. I can understand where everybody's coming from. And the fact is that there's usually, like stuff you're talking about, like Nazis, there's usually something to what each side is saying. They're coming from somewhere and there's something to it. And again, except for Nazis. <laughs> to, to bring that back to, to SEO a little bit, I'm wondering how your, your ability to straddle both sides of the argument, to sort of be the, maybe the peacemaker or to see the, sub, you know, the substance within each argument, how has that led to your credibility within the SEO industry? I don't know that it lends to my credibility. Oh, I think it, it does. People, well, well, thank you. I, I, I suspect sometimes it leads to people wondering if I even know what the heck I'm talking about because <laughs> I might be talking out of both sides of my mouth. Um, I've, and I've had arguments with people on Twitter. Uh, I've had disagreements with people and wondered, you know, if I was going to get blocked or, or if I should block somebody else because, you know, we were just so at odds with each other. Um, and, and maybe it lends to my credibility in, 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 in that I'm, in order to provide that sort of balance and that sort of ironic point of view, you have to study both sides. You have to understand what the point people are trying to make actually is and if there's evidence for it. And if you don't try to understand that, then you can't make the points. But then when you finally do come in and say, okay, here's what I see. I see this, you know, side A. And I see side B, but here's point C. Then you establish some credibility because clearly you've done your homework. 
and so maybe that that is a, a part of that process. And just being, you know, being in the SEO community on Twitter is interesting because every every community online can create a sort of filter bubble around itself. And I really wasn't involved in the online SEO sphere at all until about two years ago. And I started intentionally sort of getting involved in and in watching it and clocking who the you know people were and who the players were. And what's interesting about it is that I've been a part of like a photography, you know, I've, I've, I've followed photographers online. I've followed data visualization experts online because I've done some things in that area. I followed a lot of authors and writers online because I've, I've done some of that. So I follow the writer sphere. I've been involved in, um, you know, theology and God blogging and, you know, evangelical circles. So I follow some of them online and, uh, you know, a handful of these kinds of circles like this. What's interesting about SEO is there's always a debate. There's always a, it depends. There's always a, a lot of speculation about what might be the case because of the black boxes that are Google and Bing, uh, you know, Yandex and Baidu all the different search engines, whether it's Facebook and Twitter itself as search engines, they're black boxes. So there's always people making pronouncements and statements stating what is the case, and then others coming along and saying, but anecdotally, I've experienced this, and then others coming along and saying, well, we've done the research and pulled 3 million websites, and come check out our website and our tool and sign up for a lifetime <laughs> subscription. So there's all of this going back and forth, and some of it's emotional. And some of it gets down in the weeds, you know, in terms of personalities. There was the whole Oktoberfest thing that blew up, you know, last year. And sometimes that happens, and I try to stay away from most of that. But there's always something going on. There's not a lot of arguments in photography. Right. There's, you know, there's not a lot of arguments uh, among writers uh, about, you know, genres. Uh, it's a clearly defined field. There's just writers providing tips mm -hmm. and perspectives. Uh, there is a lot of arguments among Christians and theology, which is why I don't really participate in that group because, <laughs> you know, you only have so much emotional energy, so you have to conserve it. But, but the SEO space is interesting because it, while there's all this argumentation going on and, and perspective and debate, there's, there's data. I mean, people are sharing their experiences with data and that's quantitative and that's objective and it's fun to see how it evolves. I'm interested. Um, you know, you say you got involved with this, you know, two years ago. What made you decide to become part of the SEO community or sort of build up your, your SEO street cred, so to speak? Well, so, why is it worthwhile? Yeah, as, uh, it, is it worthwhile? I'm saying, why is it worthwhile? Oh, well, it was a survival um, pivot because, like I said, I, I've been working online since the mid-90s. I've been publishing content or working with teams that do publish content or doing marketing or doing PR online, building communities online for what now? 25 years. But I've never thought of myself as any sort of a specialist because I've been a generalist doing multiple, filling multiple roles and doing lots of different things. I mean, graphic design, podcasting, audio editing, video editing, marketing, PR, social media management. There's a lot of different roles that I've filled. And so as a generalist, I've always felt like I brought a lot of value to any company that I've worked for and a lot of the meetings that I've been in. I felt that way. But I was working for a company a couple of years ago that got acquired by a much, much larger company. We went from, you know, a team of 
10 members, 10 coworkers to a team of 300. And suddenly I didn't stand out. I, you know, I wasn't, uh, a, a equal contributor to the conversation in meetings anymore. And as a remote worker, I work at home in my basement and all of our team was remote, but all of the team at the new company weren't remote. They all had, they all were, worked at headquarters. And I thought, Oh my goodness, I'm just another line item on a spreadsheet with a really big dollar sign attached to it. <laughs> and an accountant is going to go down through this and say, who's this rich Tatum? I don't know him. What's he done for us lately? He's just a big fat, you know, paycheck at the end of the day. And we don't know him. So let's cut him. And I didn't want that to happen. And I know it's less likely to happen if they know who you are and what value you bring. So when that acquisition happened, um, it was coming up on, it was in fall. So it was coming up on Christmas of 2018. And I thought I've got, I'm not a specialist. Companies hire specialists. If I lose my job, I don't want to be, you know, that guy who used to do websites who's greeting people at the theater. Uh, you know, I, I need to find a place to land, but what's my specialty? And so I went through another round of soul searching and trying to figure out what it is that I, what is it that I do? What can I say that I specialize in? I'm not a programmer. I can't just pick up programming and learn it overnight, become an ace coder. Um, and what am I interested in? So as I reflected on it, it just kind of dawned on me or settled on me that the SEO industry is probably the best niche, the best fit for me because it is surprising. It's a surprisingly big tent. There are a lot of people who come into SEO from really, really bizarre backgrounds. I mean, you've got, you've got Brittany Muller who came up, you know, she was a snowboard instructor. You've got people who were circus performers. You've, you've got a I was whole talking range. to a Cass Downton from uh, the Mary, uh, Marie Haynes Consulting Agency. Yeah. Oh, she was a microbiologist. Oh, yeah. And Marie That's Haynes crazy. was a veterinarian. Right, right. So it's yeah, just so it's wacky. It's it's a huge tent. And so is there a place for someone like me who was trained to, you know, church trained for church ministry and, and preaching to do uh SEO? Well yeah. Oh, preaching, you gotta be veteran. kidding. It's perfect for <laughs> yeah. SEO. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh and, and so you know, if a veterinarian can do it, if a circus performer can do it, if a, if a snow ski instructor can do it, uh why can't I? Uh so the tent is big and it's also such a large field for for different for leveraging your different skill sets so if you are a generalist in the seo field you actually have an advantage because you can bring to the table discussions about editing or copywriting or copy editing as a as a seo factor you can bring technical expertise for optimizing pages for speed and web servers and you can bring in big data analytics and data visualization, data visualization to tell the story and to build dashboards and to help executives and decision makers know what's going on. You can bring in all, I mean, every aspect of my professional career can be leveraged in SEO to, to add value to whatever it is I'm doing. So I, I, I realized that SEO is probably where I need to land, but then I thought, but I have no, I have no history. I, I've never held the title SEO or technical or otherwise. So how do I, how do I do that? What do I do? Well, I just figured the best place to start is just to start interacting online and to, 
um, start just having conversations around it and get recognition. And I adapted a trick that I learned when I was in PR, and that is to build a Twitter list, a curated Twitter list of the influencers that I wanted to to uh, notice and be noticed by and build conversation and dialogue with. Because it's not that the influencers were going to give me a job, but it's because if I had a relationship with them, if I had some sort of recognition and dialogue with them, that has a transfer effect in my perceived value to the organization. Because if I'm having conversations with people who are doing SEO at a high level and are thought leaders in the field, then I'm not just a guy, a schlub sitting around saying that he does SEO. I'm interacting with the ideas and the people who are making those things happen. So that adds to my value. That access is very important. Very important. it, It is. I've gotten questions asked that I wouldn't, I didn't know how to find the answers to because I was able to ask people in a private message, hey, do, can you help me with this? And they were happy to because they knew who I was and appreciated my interactions and it wasn't just all about me. Right. And so that was the first step. You know, take this take this hack that I learned from PR to build a curated list of, of the thought leaders. And I actually wound up building three lists. Uh, uh, one list of the, uh, uh, the, the cream of the crop, the people that... Uh, that I really want, I want to, I want to follow them closely, uh, engage with the conversations with them as much as possible and pay attention to where they see the industry going because they're the thought leaders. It's the 1% rule. The 1% rule is the old, um, adage. It's kind of a Pareto principle in any online community. Um, nine to 10% of the people will maybe edit and, and interact around content, but only 1% create. So who are the one percenters in the SEO community and what are they paying attention to? And that's where I need to, that's where I need to focus. So that's my, that's one of my lists is the one percenters. And then another list is just everybody I run across on Twitter who has, uh, SEO in their bio and they tweet about SEO and they do SEO for a living. If I find them and it looks like their Twitter feed has anything to do with marketing or SEO, I'll add them to my SEO experts list and I'll just monitor that and see where things are going there. And then I've got the SEO brands, of course, like Brand Granger. Thanks for the plug. them too. Yeah. yeah, Now we'll give you a discount on the other items. (laughs) (laughs) A lifetime discount. Uh, So I'll add Rank Ranger to both the experts and the brands list. And then I just go into Twitter and I follow the list. I don't have to follow the people on the list. Mm -hmm. I only follow very few people because those are the tweets that I want to see show up in my feed. Those are the tweets that maybe I want to get notified about. But when I want to sit down and be intentional and say, okay, I'm going to catch up on what's going on today in SEO, I'll open up TweetDeck, I'll look at the list, and I'll exclude retweets because that's just a lot of noise. Yep. And I just look at what people are tweeting. And there's a hand, very, very tiny handful of people that will have Twitter notify me every time they tweet. And uh, very often, those people are involved in a lot of different discussions. And I love discussions. I want to get involved in discussions and participate. And because that's where the really interesting stuff bubbles up and the perspectives bubble up that you wouldn't encounter otherwise. If I'm just looking at people tweeting the blog posts that they found or Rusty Bricks' latest, uh, uh, you know, SE, you know, search engine roundup of Barry, you know, of, uh, if I'm just looking at, Search Engine Land and Search Engine Journal posts and the latest blog posting of, you know, whatever data roundup somebody has, then I'm just seeing 
I'm, I'm just seeing publications. I'm not seeing the interaction. I'm not seeing community. I'm not seeing engagement. Mm. Um, so what I want to see are when people are, are saying, Hey, I've seen this bug. Has anyone else seen this? Or has anyone noticed this in the search results? Or what's up with Google search console today? Or has anyone seen what just happened with Bing? You know, Bing just added this thing to their, you know, their web master tools. Those are the things you don't necessarily see in a publication. And I'll follow the publication, but that's what I have an RSS feed reader for. So that's, that's, that was what I first did. And, um, I think it was the right strategy and the right, the right approach. And I started doing that in 2018. And what it led to was in 2018, the company that I worked for, you know, the leadership basically said, you're our top SEO expert. <laughs> nice. And, and the reason they did that is because every time I went to Twitter, I'd find something like, holy cow, our team needs to know about this. Right. And so I'd go onto our Slack channel and I'd share it. And I might add a comment or two about why I'm sharing it and why it's important in our context for us to pay attention to this thing. And just by virtue of sharing it, I became a one percenter to them. I became their thought leader in SEO, not because I was suddenly an expert, but because I was paying attention to something that they didn't and couldn't. Um, I love so that, then, by the way. I love you're leveraging you're leveraging your your interactions and your your knowledge of what's happening in the SEO world for your personal career, like directly leveraging it. That's amazing. Yeah, and I'm sharing. I'm not I'm not just hoarding it, keeping it to myself. Right. I, um, do you do you ever? And you can you know, I'm, feel free to admit. I won't judge you. I would probably praise you for do, for doing this. Um, so you know what. I don't know. I can go. I'm, I'm borderline. This tidbit of information, I could share it. I could not share it. If I share it, it'll make me look more authoritative. Or is, are you a purist? Yeah. Am I thinking about my personal brand when yes. I share something? Yeah. Do I run it through my brand filter to Come decide on. whether or not you can admit it? Is this is this worth sharing or not? Uh, I share what excites me. I share what I'm interested in, and. Does that wind up reflecting a brand? Yeah, everything you do reflects who you are. It's like Dan Pink says, we're all salesmen. Like we all Dan have Pink. to persuade people, you know. Um, in, in the end of the day, if you're going to persuade and sell people, it has to come from some place. Right. And if you're consistent, if you have integrity, which means you're doing things consistently, then yeah, your brand surfaces. Now, am I intentional about my brand? Well, there are times I... I think, well, I need to, I need to maybe shorten my bio or update my bio or put something in my bio that reflects what I'm doing. That's a brand decision or, uh, try to keep my Twitter, my avatar consistent across platforms. That's a brand decision, uh, so that people recognize me and, and know who I am. And, and that helps. I mean, that's a brand decision. But when it comes to the content I share, no, I don't, I, I, I don't spend any time thinking about, I'm going to go find things that are on brand today and share it because I'll share stuff <laughs> like my, you know, my photos of my kids. I mean, maybe that's, maybe that's on brand, but you know, I'll also share, you know, stupid things that I said or stupid things that I did or mistakes that I've made. And, and uh, maybe that's not on brand. And maybe I'm, maybe that's why I'm not an influencer. Or maybe but, that's uh, but, double brand. Like, oh, see the mistake that I made. <laughs> Uh huh. Which <laughs> very very meta brand. Very meta brand. Which which actually, it's one of the things I want to ask you about is that you know because you're a person you can see both sides of the of the perspective, and you're very focused on interacting with the community. You've got to end up where like, you're sort of in a pickle at some point. 
where it it's not going the way you thought this like this how did we get here kosher pickle or dill um i'm jewish so kosher pickle okay, Actually, i'm jewish pickle. so all pickles um all pick. <laughs> <laughs> uh i i don't know i i i don't think i've found myself in a pickle yet that's good um and maybe i have and i just don't know it i also I may, good uh, I am, I'm quick to admit when I'm at fault. I, it, I mean, if, if, if it becomes clear to me, if, if my eyes are opened and I'm at fault, I'll, I will admit it. I'll, I'll honestly admit it. Uh, one of my friends on Twitter yesterday posted a, uh, a, a, an image he created that was a written out apology to one of the other SEO influences in the space. And it, it hurt him to do it. But he did it and I, I retweeted it and he's like, curses on you for retweeting that because I, I really, I admire that. And if I admire it in others, I want to see it in myself. So I haven't seen myself get into a pickle yet, but if I did, oh my gosh, I'd apologize as quickly as I could and, and try to backtrack and learn from it. Um, because to me, the only way to deal with, and is not to delete the tweet, but to, to apologize and, and to demonstrate that you learned. And, and grow and move forward. Now, maybe deleting the tweet is a you know, good professional career move, you know, to hide the evidence, but generally the <laughs> it's cover always up, there. It's there anyway. The cover up is just, just, it's there. Just leave it. Yeah. Yeah. The cover up is what, what that's what highlights the crime. So, right. um, and maybe I've just been really judicious about the fights that I've gotten into and things that I've stayed away from, but you know, I've waded into some of the discussions about, you know, a couple of years ago, the Oktoberfest thing and, um, there was there was somebody had made a dad joke in reference Nazis the other day, and I waded into that. I thought very carefully about it. I thought I have a I have something I want to say. I have a question I want to ask, but I don't want to get mm-hmm. sucked into something that is very emotional and isn't my story to tell. Mm-hmm. Um, but I went ahead and I asked the question, and the response was very gracious. And the response was like, "No, I didn't intend for that. That is not." You know, the, what, what you're asking is not what I intended to communicate. And, and it brought clarity to it. And I was so glad because I thought, this is a question I feel like needs to be asked, but it's a very difficult circumstance and there's a lot of emotions. And, um, I thought twice and it wasn't a brand decision. It mm-hmm. wasn't like, no, it's a personal well, facilitate yeah. the rich Tatum brand, right. but it was like, I have a question that I think is really important because it's for the well-being of the person that the, the people that are involved in the discussion. Uh, it has a it has a long-lasting impact. The answer to this question it has a, a, a career professional impact. So um, I asked it, and I'm I'm glad I did. Do you? But if it had backfired, I I would have I probably I would have regretted asking the question. But I'm glad it didn't backfire. Well, I'm glad for you that it didn't backfire. Also, I think it's something that people don't really appreciate enough in the fact that you. You do have to have an awareness of yourself and and, and your and your circumstance. Um, I'll tell you, just personally speaking, I have a wild sense of humor, which doesn't translate to writing in two hundred eighty characters well because you can completely misinterpret what I'm saying. So I know, like I, something I might say verbally, which you you would totally get what I'm saying, just from the you know the tone. You may not get on Twitter, and I have to be very careful about what I say and how I say it. It doesn't mean that I'm. I'm trying to, you know, build the Morty brand per se. It just means I don't want to be a jerk and I need to yeah, be aware of yeah. that. Yeah, I think you 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 just want to act from a place of integrity where yeah. you are being consistent and whole and not a hypocrite. Yeah, and that, that 
backhandedly, that does build the personal brand, so to speak. If you want to have credibility, yes. if you go, you need to be a stable sort of persona when you interact online. It's just, it's like anything else. The right. Stability breeds, breeds credibility. Well, it's like, it's like everybody's mother always tells their children, the less you lie, the less you have to remember. Right. And this kind of strategy of brand building is really a form of lying. It's presenting a manufactured artificial face to the world for the purposes of selling something or leveraging something or stomping something. And then you have to kind of constantly keep in mind, you know, which spinning plate is this that, that I'm uh, adding momentum to today. And if you're just acting out of integrity with consistency with your passion, you don't have to worry about all of that. Yeah. Um, we're sort of running out of time. Um and I want to ask before I get to our little fun little bit that we're going to do, if you had to break down if you, into its simplest, most refined parts, building credibility, entering the SEO community, again, breaking it down to what that looks like, building that credibility, gaining access to the community, what is that? How do you build that? How do you gain that access? How do you build that authority? How do you build that credibility fundamentally? I, I have four words, and three of them are... Well, I'm glad it's not a four-letter word. Okay. <laughs> um, listen. You can't... Listen is the main word. You, you can't build any credibility without listening, whether it's a meeting in a boardroom, um, enterprise level, small team meeting. If you're not listening, yeah, no one will ever believe you because you can't respond to the questions. Um, that's actually on the table. You might be responding to the question that's in your head or the question that's unstated. But if you don't listen, then that's the starting point for everything. You've got to listen. The other three words, um, you know, they're going to kind of relate to SEO in a way too. Uh, you know, how the Google algorithm, everyone's talking about the EAT signals, the expertise, authoritativeness, and trust. And, and to me, all of this goes back to uh, something uh, that was written by Plato a few years ago, uh, about uh, in, 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 in the art of rhetoric and how to persuade. You know, when, Dan, when I said mentioned Dan Pink says we're all salesmen, I mean, that was something that Plato could have written with rhetoric. Uh, we're all salesmen. And there are three, three main things that must be present in order to persuade. And persuasion relies on credibility. And those three things are the, the logos, the pathos, and the ethos right. in your message. And that's all wrapped into expertise, authoritativeness, and credibility. Can we, can we translate that into, into English? Right? Logos is logic, yes, I, right? Ethos is the ethics. Yes, right? I, I, I mean, logos is the content. Logos right. is your words. Logos was literally word. And it's the logical content of your of your uh, presentation, what you have to say, or what you are engaging in. Um, the pathos is, you know, the appealing to emotion, the storytelling, the having empathy, the understanding, having emotional intelligence, understanding where people are coming from, where they're going, and what their needs are. That's pathos. Uh, if you can't connect with people emotionally, they're not going to believe you. If you can't connect with people intellectually, you have nothing to believe. And the last one is ethos, and that is answering the question right up front, why should you listen to me? And that has as much to do with integrity and being consistent mm -hmm. as it does with being professionally competent and qualified and having a certificate. I think if people sense that you are coming with, uh, coming to the table with honesty, 
you can have a part of the discussion. They'll be happy to have you in the discussion if you're honest and have integrity. And even if you're honest about being a, an, an idiot and not being informed, <laughs> That's true. that kind of honesty still gives you a place at the table when you have a question. Absolutely. And it's very slow going. I'm going to add one more on to that, which is not, I don't think Plato said that. He said, like, you know, take your time. It's going to take a long time. Don't well, rush into you know, this. I, I, I misstated. I said Plato. I, it's I really Socrates. Said, it's uh, oh, Aristotle? It? Aristotle. Aristotle. Yeah, Arist Aristotelian ethics and uh, and rhetoric. Um, I had Blado on the brain earlier today. I'm sorry. They all uh, wore I'm togas. Just, it's all fine with yeah. me. Too bad we can't edit that out. Now I look like an idiot, but that's okay. But <laughs> we can I, edit it out I, though, if you want. That's and we'll add no, that back to the but, feast. Uh, this, you know, yeah. if I'm if I'm being on brand, I have to be honest about it and say I, I probably don't know as much as I, I sound like. <laughs> it's that deep authoritative voice that you have. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so with that. Um, I have this funny little bit that I do. You probably know what it is. If you listen, you know what it is. It's called optimize it or disavow it. But for those of you who are listening for the first time, welcome. It goes like this. I'm going to offer you two options. It's a zero-sum world. The two really good options, and you have to choose one good option over another good option, or it's two really bad, crappy options, as they are in this case. And you're stuck choosing between two really bad options. It's really, really, I think it's really uncomfortable. I try to make it uncomfortable. That sounds like a horrible thing. So this is the Rich Tatum version of Optimize It or Disavow It. So because we're talking about social media, interacting with the SEO community, that sort of thing, and we're talking about having substantial content and you're being authoritative and being a good person all at the same time, I'm going to try to put you in the in the you know the 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 largest corner possible here. If you had the choice, and you could say it depends, I don't know how it would depend in this case. Um, you could try to wiggle out of it. I fine, but you have two choices. One is sharing a half-assed idea on Twitter. You know it's some sort of you know half-assed SEO theory because there are none of those out there. Or, LSI keywords maybe. <laughs> Right. Oh, I don't get Bill Slonsky started on the whole thing. Um, <laughs> or at, you, your your content is great. It's completely substantial. You're just giving it over like a real jerk face. Which one would you do? Well, technically, disavowing has no effect, right? I mean, that's what everyone says. That, well, no, it's not really true. It all depends. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So my options are, be a real jerk face, right? Or come up with a half baked idea and promote it, right? Oh, that's uh, that's really obvious. I, I I would I would promote the half baked, half assed ideas all day long because that gives me an opportunity to learn. Because guys like you uh, and Bill Slosky will be the first ones to jump in the Twitter thread and say, um, "Well, actually, what you need to know is this." and that will improve my knowledge. At the end of the day, if I'm half-baked and half-assed, as long as I'm consistent with my uh, approach to things, I'll learn and I'll get better and it won't be the same next year. But if I'm a jerk, that feels more like a chronic permanent condition that you really can't That's change. a chronic permanent condition. By the yeah. way, I really like the way you pivoted that. That was that was very good. That was very <laughs> good. Because that was a hard one. I really tried to get you there, but that was very crafty. And you know, by the way, for the uh, record, it wouldn't be me. It wouldn't be Bill Slosky. The first person to say that you're wrong and like very short, no, here's an article with Barry Schwartz. No, old, not Barry true. Schwartz. You know, yeah. three seconds. He's a Rolodex <laughs> of elite articles he did over the last 15 years. He pulls it up. Even though you search his website, which I do, 
and it, you can't find it. He knows exactly where it is. He pulls it up. There it is. No, you're wrong. Yeah, I, Barry must have a a database of tweets at his fingertips where he just instantly has a URL that he can just pull out of the archives the within a, a fraction of a second. It's he's a machine. He's, I think there's a machine learning algorithm running in the background. Named, they call it uh, Barry. Barry Schwartz, right. Brick. Right. There's yeah. Bert. There's Elmo. Yeah. And then there's Barry. I like that. Or rank, <laughs> yeah, rank Barry too. Rank. <laughs> okay, Rich. I really appreciate you coming on. This is really fascinating. I really enjoy listening. I can listen to you for another like three hours, but I have like other things I have to do. Well, I, Morty, I'm grateful for the interview. I didn't know what I could actually contribute to the SEO community, but I'm glad you had the conversation with me because it was a lot of fun. It's self-evident for anybody listening. Thanks, right, thanks. Rich. And we are back to your regularly scheduled in-search SEO podcast. Again, definitely follow Rich on Twitter. He's a wonderful guy, really nice guy, but more importantly, or maybe not more importantly, but maybe <laughs> equally as important, Really insightful stuff on you. I never walk away from a tweet feeling like that was stupid. So <laughs> good for Rich. <laughs> right. Good anyway, time. all right. Let's keep us going. A lot of news to talk about. A lot of big things going on. A lot of ins and outs. To quote the Big Lebowski, a lot of what have yous. Who? F- freaking kidding me, right? The Big Lebowski. Who? <laughs> You're killing your father, Sapir. You're killing your father. You're killing your father. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure my dad also doesn't know a big what? No, that's a Lebowski? line. That's what a line from the Big Lebowski. Oh my god, how do you not know? <laughs> I'm actually speechless that you don't even know that. The the Big Lebowski. I know. Can you just tell I, me who that is. I'm not. No, n- absolutely not. No, I'm. I am gonna hold a grudge for you forever. With that, Sapir. Could you please hit it with the news? Okay, heads up. Wait, wait, wait. I'm sorry. Big Big Lebowski? My favorite movie of all time. Anyway. So good. It's a movie? It's a movie. The Big Lebowski. Oh, my God. Let me guess. 3,000 years of tradition from Moses to Sandy Koufax. You bet damn right I'm living in the past. Anyway. <laughs> I love Anyways, Sandy Koufax. The news, Marty, the news. <laughs> right. The news. Okay. So, heads up. If you use the COVID-19 Google posts, Google may prioritize it at the expense of your normal posts. Right. Meaning that yeah, if you utilize Google special COVID-19 posts, those might overtake your normal standard Google posts. So, just be aware of that. That's correct. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Marty. You're welcome. That's what I'm here for. Okay, Useless commentary. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes, you exactly. Know. Okay. And to tell you what the Big Lebowski <laughs> is, this will not stand. This will not stand. You're out of your elements up here. Let's You're out on. of your element. I'm going to do Big Lebowski po- quotes for the rest of this podcast now. Yep. Are you done? Nope, but keep uh, going. It's official. Google is testing, showing if a business offers curbside pickup within product carousel you must like brevity because that was short another another big lebowski reference but yeah that's really good by the way that's (laughs) that's that's very good i'm all in for that i think by the way curbside pickup is a marketing point it's going to be around for a very long time after COVID 19 fades away because it is just awesome why should i ever leave my car if i don't have to 
Okay. Moving on. Another heads up for you. If you mark your listing as temporarily closed within Google My Business, the links to your site and call button within the local panel will not appear. Yeah, I don't get that. Why not? Why wouldn't you? And and the bell for my kid's school just went off, and you can hear this giant song. Why do they do that? Okay. <laughs> um, That's pretty strong. It's really. Imagine you're in the school. I one time said to the principal, like my like my, my grandmother heard that, and she's dead. Anyway. I don't understand. I I don't understand this one. Like, why wouldn't your website show up there just because you're temporarily closed? Right? First off, your physical location might be temporary. Let's say your bases. So your physical location is temporarily closed, but your online shopping might not be. So like why not have that there? Let's say let's say I want to call you. Let's say I want to call you. I want to say when are you gonna be open? Like why why is having your phone number, like the call button? I I don't I don't understand what you lose by showing more information when the temporarily closed um, status indicated. Uh, whatever. That's just me. Whatever. Okay. Lastly, Google Shopping is now allowing for a PayPal integration, which will expedite the onboarding of new products to Google properties. Hooray! Hooray! <laughs> Hooray! Great. No commentary. Nah, it's like whatever. I mean, it's it's an important thing if you're <laughs> if you're in the e-commerce space. That's good news. Why I'm assuming why we included it. Um, the same time, it's like, okay, like, you know, what am I going to say about that? Like, literally, what am I going to say about that? Like, uh, oh, well, you know, let me analyze this. I don't know. You have something to say about anything. So, Sometimes you know. I don't. This is one of the rare occasions where I don't. Brevity is oh, a good wow, thing. Okay. Yeah. Noted. Yep. <laughs> the dude abides. That's it. The dude abides. That's it? Okay. Uh, okay. Great. Which means that we're just going to roll right into our fun SEO send-off question. Today's question is brought to you by the letter three. The letter three. The what? <laughs> you know Sesame what? Street. Yeah, they do the today's number is brought to you by today's number. Today's show is brought to you by. I just said. I just literally said today's show is brought today's fun SEO set of questions brought to you by the letter three. Three is a number. Yeah. But I said letter three. There's a great okay. Cheech and but Chong skit about this. I just don't yeah, I know. What you know, you never watch Sesame say. Street. I understand. Everyone who watched Sesame <laughs> Street does understand what I did. So we'll just move on. Sapir has a great question for all of us today. We're going to ignore the cluster bleep that was the last 30 seconds of this podcast and just move on. Okay. Anytime you're ready. We're asking. I am ready. You're just interrupting me. You keep interrupting me. Okay. This week we're asking. This is this is <laughs> not is Nam Sapir. This is the fun SEO send off question. There are rules. <laughs> you keep I will me. I, I will keep doing Big Lebowski. I will keep doing Big Lebowski all all podcast long now. <laughs> oh god. What what do you what is what do you benefit out of it? Like I don't understand those references. Like it's, why are it's, you doing it's this? It's pure passive aggression. That's all it is. Because <laughs> I am out, I am outraged. Okay, I am whatever. outraged by your ignorance of the Big Lebowski. Oh, that's a movie. <laughs> uh, forget it, please. Holy mackerel! <laughs> okay, so we're asking this week: What is Google's favorite dead joke? <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> 
That, I kind of like that okay, joke. I kind of like that joke. Okay, you do? Of mm-hmm. course you do. You're lame. I'm a little lame. That's true. I'm a little lame. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Who goes first? So, you go first. Should I answer? Yeah, go ahead. I go first. Okay, so at first I wanted to come up with a dead question that is somehow <laughs> not happening. Like Google or Bing or something, but I'm not that lame. <laughs> not that I lame. Guess, it's so like I just, hard. I couldn't come up with anything. You have to spend no, an hour. Just, just like. What? You'd have to spend an hour just trying to figure that out. Like, how can I make a dad joke related to Google? That's Whatever. It's very dedicated. Lame. Anyways. <laughs> you say dedicated. I say lame. Anyways, I would go with the following dad joke. Are you ready? Yep. What, <laughs> what do you call someone with no body and no nose? I don't know. What? Nobody knows. Oh, <laughs> that's good. I like that. I like that jokes. <laughs> Okay, okay. How okay. my my joke is how do you make holy water? You I don't know. you boil the hell out of it. Get it? Oh, okay. Get it? Yep. Yeah, that's, that's okay. good. Yeah, like, that's how this know. relates to Google, neither of us knows. <laughs> Cuz I literally went to a website that had a list of dad jokes and copy and pasted that. Because it was the first, like, one of the first ones there. So okay. we'll leave it to the audience to figure out how this ties into Google. Why would that be Google's favorite dad right. joke? Right, right. And you'll let us well, know. I have an answer, though. Because okay. Google doesn't have a nose and doesn't have a, a body. So mine is somehow related. Okay. I guess. Yeah, mine's related, too, because, like, it was the first website that showed up when I searched dad jokes. So I use Google to get it. <laughs> right. So that counts. Okay. And that'll do it for this version of the In Search SEO Podcast. Don't forget to tune in next week for an all-new episode. Look forward on Tuesday because we release every Tuesday. Thank you so much for tuning in. And don't forget, it's been In Search because we're all in search of something. Of something. Toodaloo. <laughs>